Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, it looks like we got our wish. We've been talking about it for about a week now, that weather, especially across the state on baseball day was going to be bad was going to get ugly and yet here we sit at about 306 in the afternoon and it looks like we're going to get some baseball in today thank the good lord above we're going to be playing baseball today at sports talk mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm brought to you every day by mississippi land bank Michael Borky here, Brian Scott Rippey with you. We've got Richard off this afternoon. Brian Haydad is going to join us here in a little bit. He's already posted up at the new Duty Noble Field getting ready for Mississippi State and UAB baseball tonight, and then he will have to do double duty, find a TV or something, and cover Mississippi State basketball and Georgia as well. Busy day in the sports world here across the state of Mississippi, and we're glad you are with us today as you are every day. And there's a few ways you can be a part of the show. You can tweet at us, if that's your thing, at Sports Talk Miss, at Sports Talk M-I-S-S on Twitter, or you can text the show, 601-879-4395. That's the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. And Rippy, uh, we'll dive into this here in, in just a few minutes, but for now, Ole Miss basketball last night, not a must-win game by any stretch of the imagination, but a game that, with a win, would have put them comfortably in the driver's seat for the four-seed and the NCAA tournament and just did not play their best basketball in Columbia. Yeah, a kind of a, it seemed like a frustrating game from an Ole Miss standpoint, but like to your point, if they win that game, that's nine, and then you, you have a chance to essentially lock up an NCAA tournament bid on Saturday with a win at Georgia, that would put you at 10 SEC wins. Didn't play very well, didn't shoot it very well after the first five minutes, got killed inside, got into some foul trouble, and just not a whole lot went their way outside the first three or four minutes of the game. So still sitting in decent shape, but it makes Saturday's game a little more interesting. And looks like the weather's clear. Ole Miss and Arkansas State, I believe, tonight game that was pushed back from yesterday. All signs point to them actually playing baseball today. Yeah, it looks like the rain has cleared out. Um, like rain to about lunchtime today, then stopped. So everything looks looks pretty good um, so far. Few things we're going to get to today. Today's show, just for what it's worth, if you're listening on any of the 13 Super Talk stations across the state, uh, will be abbreviated for you. We've got Mississippi State basketball at Georgia tonight. That will be on our Mississippi State affiliates. And Ole Miss and Arkansas State baseball will take over at 5 o'clock. So just a two hour show for you this afternoon. Uh, but we've got a lot to get to 
in our abbreviated show. Of course, Mississippi State has a must-win. Considering how bad Georgia is and where their metrics are and Mississippi State still sits at 500, I would call this as close to a must-win game as possible when they go to Athens and play Georgia in just a few hours. Mississippi State, as we mentioned a second ago on the baseball front, hosts UAB, a nice reunion homecoming there for Ron Polk. Uh, Ole Miss baseball hosts Arkansas State, laid an egg on the hoops front in basketball last night. A few other things. We'll look at some scores from around the SEC in the latest net. Was there anything across the league that happened last night that stood out to you? Rest in peace to Alabama. Yeah, that, that is was a rough. brutal loss. And they went in there as the last four in, which makes me think I mean, they're not their obituary obituary's not entirely written because you know, last four in one or last four in one loss probably doesn't knock you completely off the bubble, but I mean Man, that's a bad look. He does uh, not a little because they made the tournament last year, but it it just does not feel like Avery Johnson is getting the most out of the talent that he has acquired in two years. Well, they were up 10 in the second half, and you figured they were kind of going to put the pedal to the metal and, and run away with one they had to have. And then just the watching them try to run half-court offense in the last, like, oh, eight, nine minutes of that game was was honestly hard to watch. It was so bad. It was like it was shockingly bad. I mean, they went four or five trips in the last three and a half minutes of the game without getting a shot up. Just brutal. Brutal for Alabama. You've you've got some pressure on him now, which I, I'm a little surprised by you have media in that state talking about his job potentially being in jeopardy and they've underachieved some, but he also elevated expectations with increased recruiting. It's not like Alabama has cared about basketball. Sure. At the same time, though, he's that Colin Sexton, and you know, what ifs in hindsight's twenty twenty, but he's that Sexton shot away in the SEC tournament last year from not making the tournament last year either. I mean, that saved their entire season. I mean, they probably should not have... They shouldn't have made the tournament last year. No, it was it, how I mean that shot goes in four, three, four times out of ten tops. I mean it was like a contested floater. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you give him credit. They whatever they got. You know, in, you made the but, plays right, and you got in the tournament. But they should not have made the NCAA tournament last year. That shot was Derek Millinghouse esque. From Ole Miss in 2013, <laughs> where that pretty much just saved that team as well. That was against Missouri, I believe. Yes, it was. Uh, other things today, the AAF, although television ratings are still pretty strong, last weekend over a million people watched an AAF game. It's pretty good for a spinoff football league in February. Running into some financial... I wouldn't call a $250 million investment an issue, but they had concerns about making payroll, and then a new story out today that Steve Spurrier's Orlando Apollos is having to load up on a bus and drive from Jacksonville, where they were practicing, I guess, drive from Jacksonville to the state of Georgia at a local high school to practice because the state of Florida doesn't allow professional sports leagues to have workers' comp insurance. Now, you may be wondering, well, the NFL and Major League Baseball and hockey and everybody else plays in Florida. That's because the leagues have found somebody to insure their teams. The AAF started a league, put a team in Florida 
without having the team insured. So they have to practice in Georgia. That's that's them trying to get... Don't you think that's them a little bit trying to get ahead of the XFL and just a minor oversight? I mean, I get that that ends up being a pretty big deal, but don't you think that just kind of slipped by you know, the league office radar? There was a thought that they may be rushing a little bit, even though it was really smart people running the league and they had a television deal. This seems like something that they would have caught if they didn't try to beat the XFL. And it may pay off for them, though, in the long run. I mean, if if this nine-figure, obviously the nine-figure investment helps. If the prod, I think if the product continues to stay the way it is, and the TV, you know, and you have the TV deal, it might pay off in the long run that they beat the XFL to it by a year. Probably so, because they at least have the novelty of a new league, right? It everything's new. The AAF is on. Let's watch this brand new football thing. In 2020, is that another spinoff league in about the same time going to have that kind of, well, let me turn it on just to see what it's like kind of allure? You definitely want to be the first guy instead of the second guy, right? Generally speaking, yeah. And I guess if you're going to be the second guy, having Vince McMahon running the show probably helps get eyeballs more so than a bunch of old NFL people running the AAF. But, yeah, I mean, it may pay off in the long run. Who knows? But, yeah, certainly, that's a bizarre situation, honestly, them having to practice in Georgia. Yeah, just uh, this week, even though, again, they they received a $250 million investment, and depending on what side you looked at, some saw that as they're desperate for money, needed to make payroll. They sold the league off before week two. And on the other hand, the owner of a National Hockey League franchise gave them $250 million as an investment, and people that get to that level of success don't usually sink $250 million into something unless they find positives and they think they're getting a return on that investment. And I tend to look at it through the lens of the latter. Yes, was the investment well-timed and did they need it? Sure, but... Like you said, a guy's not going to invest $250 million into a sinking ship. I mean, it's like lighting the money on fire. And he, I mean, he's in professional sports, so if, if anybody would know what's sustainable and what's not, maybe it's a, a team owner. What is he, the Carolina Hurricanes owner, I think? Yeah, I mean, if you can sustain a hockey team in Raleigh, North Carolina, you're probably pretty, pretty shrewd, right? Yeah, I think so. And they're going to be a playoff team this year for, for whatever that's worth to you. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about this uh, Manny Machado thing. Is it good for baseball? Why is free agency in Major League Baseball not as exciting, maybe, as what you see in the NBA? And will this start a trend in the sport? A A lot of that and a whole lot more coming your way at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Text the show 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Big Daddy in Greenwood says, what do you think about the Duke and North Carolina ticket prices? I don't know if you've seen this, Rippy. They've It's been made a big deal that the secondary market, the get-in price for Duke, North Carolina tonight in Cameron is around $2,500 or so, but... I'm not exactly sure why they're making it a big deal this year because it's kind of like that every year at Cameron. 
I mean, it was around $2,000 last year at Cameron Indoor. So if it's just a little bit more this year when you have two teams that are legit national title contenders, and I mean, President Barack Obama is going to be at at the game tonight. you got Zion Williamson, who is a surefire number one pick. You've got another top three pick on Duke. It just, the number, I guess, is shocking to people who haven't known but this is pretty typical for this game. Yeah, I was literally about to say the exact same thing you said. It was around $2,000 last year. It, it, it The weird thing is it's being reported as if, like, Zion and those two other freshmen are, like, the reason for the skyrocketing price, and it didn't even skyrocket. It just went up a little bit from last year. I I, I don't quite get that one. Yeah, I think it's up 150 bucks or so from, from this time in the same game last year. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's it's really the only rivalry left in college basketball, right, from a national perspective? I mean, every, like all those old Big East rivalries are gone. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of – I may be missing one, but like this seems to be just about it in college hoops yeah, these days. Yeah, what are the, the college basketball rivalries? I mean, name five actual, like, you've got to watch this college basketball game rivalries. Because in football, we've got, what, 20 that are actual – like heated rivalries that people point to that have names and trophies and all of that stuff. Give me five in college basketball. I can't think of two. Literally the only other one I can think of, and it's not even that big on a national scale, Xavier Cincinnati is always kind of a bad blood type rivalry, probably because their school is kind of like Duke, North Carolina, so close to one another. But And I I don't mean, like Ohio State and Michigan play each other every year in basketball, and those two fan bases don't like each other. Ole Miss and Mississippi State play twice a year. The two fan bases clearly don't like each other, but it is not even close to the same thing as what you see on the football field. And we don't have that in basketball except for the one, it seems like. Because there's no more Georgetown, Villanova, Syracuse, UConn, St. John's, who, you know, the old school, like Big East rivalries and things like that. So you just, you don't really see it as much anymore. And a lot of it is because of the, the player turnover. Like you don't have guys playing against each other, at least at the elite level rivalries, playing each other three, four years at a time. And there's no time to develop bad blood. I mean, most of these kids played on AAU teams together against each other, but that's about it. Yeah. And I'm, I've saw, seen it at least a little bit today, where people call this the greatest rivalry in sports. And I mean, maybe that's a different conversation for a different day. But I don't think you can have the greatest rivalry in sports, air quotes, on games that don't really have any consequence. So, I like, Red Sox-Yankees is the best rivalry in baseball. But I don't think it can be the best rivalry in sports because they play each other a dozen or more times every year. And in college basketball, the the winner or loser of this game, it, it impacts nothing. It does not matter at all. Win or lose. This game d- doesn't change your positioning in, in the NCAA tournament, which is the only thing that matters in college basketball. At least on the football field, the outcome of one game actually means something. It has chronic impact on that season. Well, sure, but that's just kind of true with football in general because of the number of games. Like, one game is going to impact a team more than a baseball team or a basketball team. But, yeah, I, but, I don't so, think... Yeah, that's my line of thinking. Is it, Maybe it's not fair, but I just you can't tell me that Duke-UNC basketball is the same thing as Ohio State or, or comparable 
to Ohio State Michigan football. You you cannot ever get me to admit that because the loser of tonight's game, nothing matters. No, it changes nothing. They will make the national championship tournament. They will still be a very high seed. Literally in college basketball, if you lose to a team like Duke or North Carolina, most of the time your metrics get better. Like nothing happens to you. So Duke can lose this game. They're still a one seed. You know, it, it just the lack of impact causes me to not be able to compare them to the Iron Bowl or Ohio State, Michigan, because those games actually have a direct impact on conference championship and national championships. It's more so the novelty of it, because there have been games in years past where it has severely impacted things. I mean, whether it be NCAA tournament seeding or winning the ACC and things like that. But this year, not necessarily, because North Carolina's not going to win the ACC. Duke's going to win the ACC. Virginia might have an outside shot, but like Duke's not losing twice. So, yeah, not a lot of impact on it this year, but it's just, I think it's the novelty aspect of it. David and Corn says he's from North Carolina and lives in Mississippi, and uh, he went to uh, a, or went back to try to go to a Duke UNC game and said, not only the prices, uh, not only are they impressive and high, nobody's trying to sell their tickets. There, there's not a bunch listed online. He said there was only three or four for sale at the time when he was trying to go. I imagine it's even harder to where is this game tonight? This is in Cameron. It's at Duke, right? Yeah, it's in Cameron. I would imagine that game's harder to get into because of how small the gym is than one in the Dean Dome. <laughs> C Ray says I'm ruining the anticipation of the game. Look, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. I just, it's not. The, to me, that can't be the greatest rivalry in sports because the winner or loser of this game just it doesn't matter. But there are other things that go into the rivalry. Like, there are pageantry well, I think Red Sox, Yankees, you think and all that. Red Sox, yeah. Yankees have had fights and yeah. stuff. Pedro Martinez throwing down old people. You know, Alex Rodriguez being held back by Jason Veritek. Things like that. So if you have like a number of like iconic bad blood moments, that feeds into it as well. For sure, for sure. Uh, we'll get into Ole Miss and South Carolina right now, and and we'll talk to Haydad here in a little bit. And, and since we're going to run out of time here in this segment, segment before we talk to Hey Dad, uh, we'll just do this quickly and come back to it a little bit later. Uh, sloppy game last night, Rippy. Just shot the ball really well for the first what four minutes of the game, and just completely lost composure on offense, communication on defense. And Chris Silva is a man among boys in almost every game he plays, anyway. And Ole Miss just doesn't have the physicality down low to match him. Offensively, it reminded me of the LSU game a bit, where Ole Miss started making jump shots early in the game. Things were going well, but then once they kind of got an up-close glance at how long and physical South Carolina is on the interior, the guards had seemingly, I don't know if spooks the right word, but it seemed like they were reluctant to drive the ball to the rim. I mean, Tyree and Davis had a couple... Uh, finishes at the rim in the second half that were you know pretty good and on a couple of them kept baskets that kept him in the game but they seemed to get frustrated a little bit down there and then the ball stopped moving and then defensively I mean Ole Miss is already not very good not very consistent whatever you want to call it you know on the interior and then when you have 
Bruce and Dom get in foul trouble and you're having to play Buffin and Henson at the full, uh, down in the post for an extended stretch, that's a recipe for disaster, particularly against a guy like Silva, like you said. So, you know, it was really their, their one, two of their fatal flaws kind of infused to one. They're thin and they're not very good in the post, and then their post got into foul trouble. So, not not ideal. And we'll we'll get into this a little bit more later, but I was really surprised at, like you said, uh, the lack of ball movement, the the isolation ball, the quick possessions. After they went up thirteen to two, South Carolina turned around and went on a seventeen to three run, and it's like every big basket or every basket South Carolina would make, instead of in games that you've seen earlier this year where they would really slow the pace down if. Uh, their opponent went on any kind of a run or made a big shot, they would really slow the pace of the offense down, do their their little weave thing that they like to do, and, and be very careful with shot selection. It's almost like they panicked, and South Carolina would make a basket, and they, they would just get out and run, uh, have a no-pass possession, take a bad three, miss it, and then either miscommunicate or get physical uh, on the other end, on the defensive end, and give up another basket, and it just spiraled out of control and then in the second half, they went back to their bread and butter, slowed the game down, brought it back to even, and then it's like the flip switch back. And they started yeah. having bad offensive possessions again, and South Carolina ran away with it and blew them out in the end. Part of that was how well South Carolina guarded the perimeter, too, because the point of the weave or, or ball screen action or whatever is to get the guards kind of going downhill, and they weren't able, Ole Miss was not able to do that as easily. So... You know, credit to South Carolina, but that was one of those, to me, as Kermit Davis says, it's just kind of life in the SEC. You ran into a tough defensive matchup on the road and, and got exposed. Now, a it's a must-win. If you want to make the NCAA tournament, Ole Miss has to beat Georgia on Saturday. More on that coming up. I want to talk to Hey Dad next. He'll check in live from the new dude as Mississippi State gets ready to play UAB in baseball tonight. Look at the weather. It looks good, and you've got... 30 minutes or so to get to the stadium. We'll talk to Haydad next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. We'll press pause on the Old Miss South Carolina reaction to bring in Brian Haydad. He's hanging out live at the new Duty Noble Field. He's kind enough to give you, I don't know, 10 minutes or so of his extremely valuable time today to talk a little. Is it, is it that valuable? <laughs> I guess that's for you to decide, my man. <laughs> did, did we get a pay raise that nobody told me, told me about? Uh, well, maybe if your podcast does better numbers. Oh. Oh. I'm just kidding. But it does better than yours. Yeah. It, like uh, a few thousand fold, I'm sure. Um, Come back talk to me in eight years, and we'll see how we're doing. <laughs> well, uh, Mississippi State alive. UAB today. Looks like mm-hmm. the weather's holding off, so there's going to actually be baseball. A little nostalgia yeah. as well. Yeah. it's Not only is Ron Polk here for the second time in, I guess, four days, but a former Bulldog on the mound for the Blazers, Graham Ashcraft, who uh, – Got a couple starts in the 2017 season and then sat out the last two years with injuries. Uh, we'll be on the mound today for for UAB. Oh, wow. So, 
Obviously, most everybody expects, although it is baseball and, look, things happen, Mississippi State being a better team, but I wonder if that adds a, a layer into this game that can make it interesting. Well, UAB is, is a solid team. You know, Brian Shoup has been there, another former Bulldog. Uh, he, he's been there forever. Uh, and they've been a team that has found their way into postseason play a few times. So this this is a game that that State just can't just show up and say, okay, we're going to win, and that's how it is. I mean, UAB is fully capable of coming to Duty Noble, but but that said, I, I feel pretty good about State's chances to win today. And let's turn the page to basketball, because th- this game tonight, yeah. it, it's going to be a half-empty arena at best. It's a really bad Georgia team, but this game, I mean, could be what breaks. It's not going to make Mississippi State's NCAA tournament, but it could break it. So a critical game for Mississippi State to just win. I don't care how. It doesn't matter how it looks. You can score 20 points and shoot 8%. As long as you win, that's all that matters tonight. Yeah, it's definitely a feeling of holding serve. Uh, And you you nailed it. A win doesn't really do anything for Mississippi State. It's not going to move them up very much in the the net or in the bracketology or whatever you want to look at. A loss would be crushing to a, 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 I think they're a sub-100. If not, they're in the, the 80s, 90s. Georgia is 123 so, in the net yeah, as of today. Then, yeah, you, you cannot lose this game. Uh, but that said, like you mentioned, Georgia, not a lot going on there this season in Athens. Next year should be really, really good. As yes, Tom Crean, you know, builds that program back up, and I think he will. But but this is you know this is a tough first year for uh, for Crean over there in Athens and I, and I think Mississippi State will take uh, advantage of that. Yeah, Georgia is coming off six consecutive losses after their win over Texas. They lost at Arkansas, lost to South Carolina, at Alabama, uh, got crushed by Ole Miss and Oxford a few I guess a week ago. Lost at A and M by a lot of points and lost to LSU. So it's a team that like I said six in a row really struggling. And quite frankly, Mississippi State is just better than them everywhere. So, yeah, this this should be a game that State, you know, I always talk about it that when you're a good team and you play a bad team, you should win pretty easily. Uh, and Mississippi State, I think, is a good team. I know Georgia is a bad team. It, it should be a a game that State can get control of early. Uh, and 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 just hold on throughout the game and 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 coast to victory. You would hope. Mississippi State a six and a half point favorite for those of you that are going to make your way to the sports book uh, between now and tip off. Uh, and then looking at what's next for Mississippi State. So South Carolina just beat Ole Miss last night. It's obviously a team that's playing much better basketball, and they have just a beast in the post. A little different going to Starkville though. So if you do take care of business tonight. A couple of very, very winnable home games that could just completely lock up your NCAA tournament bid before you hit the road and go to Auburn and Tennessee. Yeah, if you can win, I guess that's the next three, Georgia tonight, and then you get South Carolina and Missouri at home. Yeah, you're pretty much going to be in at that point, I would think. I mean, even if you lose to Auburn and to Tennessee, as long as you can beat – whom I think of Texas A&M at the end of the season, I think your record is 23-9. and You're you're in. You're in. You you don't even have to go to uh, to, to Nashville and and probably win a game. 
you're probably good, even if you go one and done in the SEC tournament. Yeah, nine's their magic number, isn't it? I mean, ten is is absolutely, without a doubt, solid. Nine, you may be sweating it, but uh, with the way the bubble is, and I mean, Joey Brackets was on during the Ole Miss-South Carolina game last night, which, by the way, hey, Dad, I don't know if you were watching that game. They had him call in during the game broadcast and had a full-on interview without actually referencing the game that was going on. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. But he even mentioned that a team like Oklahoma, who's, what, three games below 500 in their league, has is still on the bubble. So if that's a team that is a bubble team, a 500 Mississippi State with a top 25 or top 28, whatever it would be, net, is a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right, right now, State's a lock. They're in they would have to play their way out. Uh, they would have to probably lose two of these next three to, to be out, and I, and I don't see that happening. You know, you mentioned South Carolina. That game was close, and I guess, you know, when we have the, the benefit of hindsight now, because when that game was played, you know, the day after was a lot of, oh, no, what's wrong with Mississippi State? And now South Carolina is 9-4 and four in SEC play. So, obviously, they've figured some things out. But you played them very close there. And instead of Holman, who you know has been a liability defensively, you're going to put in Reggie Perry in there to, to, to give Chris Silva a little bit more of a, of a uh, challenge, I think. So, State should be able to win that game in Starkville. I, I think they can do that. I think they'll be 3-0. and I think they can beat Auburn. I mean, Auburn is – are they the, the biggest disappointment of the season? Without a in the doubt. SEC, because that's a team that was preseason top ten. What's Weatherspoon's status? Do we have any idea? Still out, still out, and no comment coming from MSU on that one. That may, I mean, I guess when the release came out, it sounded like it was going to be long term, but I guess the inkling has become true. That that's something that may not be settled soon, will it? It, it, it appears that way now. The lack of uh, communication from Mississippi State leads me to believe. I mean, it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be this week, so we'll see what happens next week. And turning the page back to baseball as we have just a couple minutes left, and the game is, what, 15 minutes away from first pitch there in Starkville. Uh, Grandpa Jake Mangum's only hitting 286 on the season. Is it time to panic? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would have cut him after the College World Series last year. you got to sell high. Yeah, I mean, what a disappointment, right? Uh, unbelievable how, how a senior can only be hitting 286. Uh, it just, uh, such a disappointment. Yeah, uh, Mangum, I mean, 286 first and foremost. Most people would be happy with that. But, uh, yeah, he, he'll be fine. I mean, it's, I'm not even I – mean, I know we're just joking around, but – We'll see what happens. Yeah, I would imagine by the end of this weekend. Well, I mean, Southern's good. You know, I won't be surprised if he's at you know two eighty or whatever because they can pitch. But obviously, as the season goes on, he'll be well over three hundred. I just love the way that kid plays baseball. I mean, it, it's annoying in a sense that because he is the guy that is working the hardest on the field, and it drives you insane if you're playing against him. I, I was watching. I watched a good bit of that Youngstown State series, and it's cold. It's, it looks a little wet. It's overcast skies. It's just a miserable day, and this kid is out here running the bases like the World Series is on the line. And It's just he is so much fun to watch. It's almost – I mean, I didn't get to watch Pete Rose live because I'm, I'm only 27, but 
it, it's like watching Pete Rose highlights. The the, the effort good, that he gives every play is is just it's so much fun to watch. That's a good analogy. That he that yeah that he plays in a similar fashion to Pete Rose, the ultimate you know all hustle, no there's no taking a playoff, no taking it bad off for, for Jake Magum. I like that. And he's not a household name. Eric Burns is a guy I got to see play for a weekend uh, when I was a kid, and he always stuck out to me. He played the same way Pete Rose played. That dude, if yeah. he was on the field at all, it was full speed, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, and State's got a couple of guys like that. Rowdy, jo- Rowdy Jordan plays that way. Um, I'm trying to think. Jordan Westberg has a little bit of that in them. He, he plays a lot of, we'll say, spirit for right now. <laughs> he, he's, 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 a, uh, he, he's an aggressive ball player. So they've got, they've got that kind of mentality right now, that attacking mentality. For sure. Well, hey, Dad, enjoy baseball. You're doing double duty tonight. I uh, I don't yep. envy you today with all the coverage, but if you want to find his work. Got that, and then I'll, go ahead. I'll be in Oxford tomorrow with Rippy and uh, covering MSU Ole Miss women at the pavilion. Supertalk.fm slash Sports Thunder and Lightning Podcast. Brian Haydad on Twitter. Find all of his work there. Have fun tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Later, boys. This is Brian Haydad on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We'll switch back to some hoops and get into some AAF financial issues. That's, That's coming up next in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday afternoon. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you. Again, an abbreviated show today. Uh, Ole Miss basketball, depending on, or excuse me, baseball, depending on what station you're going to, you're listening to right now, will be taken over. And on the rest of them, it will be Mississippi State baseball. So we will, uh, just an abbreviated show before we turn over to Ole Miss baseball and Mississippi State hoops. Got a text here on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, that says, don't mention them in the same breath, angrily. A comparison is not meant to say that they're the same. Just because Jake Mangum, to me, and Rippy, maybe you don't like the comparison, plays the game in a similar fashion to Pete Rose doesn't mean he's going to be or is the greatest hitter to ever live. Just like when earlier this year, uh, one of us on the show made uh, the comparison of Brian Tyree to Russell Westbrook. They play a similar style of basketball. It doesn't mean he's going to be Russell Westbrook. You can compare styles without them being the exact same player or anticipating equal success. Is that fair? I mean, yeah, Andy Kennedy made that comparison when they signed Tyree. But he was like you said, he was just trying to compare styles and how they play, not like actual skill level and, and accolades. Yeah, like I play golf in a similar style to Braden Thornberry, right? Our swings don't look the same, but I play I play fast. Doesn't mean I can play on the PGA tour. I just like his style of golf where you make a decision, step up and hit the ball. I like that. It clears it doesn't allow me to get into my own head. I like that style of play. Doesn't mean I'm him. Yeah, I mean, the comparison makes sense. I mean, Pete Rose ended a guy's career in the All-Star game. <laughs> Ran over him at the plate. Yeah, I mean, he 
when he was on the baseball field, he was giving maximum effort. And I see the same thing from Grandpa Jake Mangum. I, I, I admire the way he plays. I, I, I wish more people in baseball would do that. Grandpa Hustle. Grandpa Hustle. Jake Hustle. I'm still working out, work, shopping the nicknames for him. I still like Grandpa Jake, though. Yeah, I like that. He's terrorized the off, SEC uh, for 25 years now. <laughs> it's just uh, it plays off of uh, it plays off of Pete Rose's Charlie Hustle mantra. Exactly. Uh, so, final thoughts: Ole Miss basketball again lost to South Carolina last night. Rippy, before we turn the page, um, I said on the podcast this morning, it is not a game that costs them anything. South Carolina jumped to number 82 in the net. Uh, so they are seven spots away from being a quadrant one road loss. So not even a bad loss anymore on the resume. It does, however, make Saturday an absolute critical must win at home against Georgia. Yeah, I mean, you lose that. You have your first bad loss on a resume that doesn't have any so far. And that's not me just saying that sub- subjectively when they, you know, when they put Ole Miss's NCAA tournament resume on the screen the last couple of weeks during broadcasts, you know, they list Baylor win, Mississippi State, Auburn as the good win. And then under bad losses, it's none. Um, because I haven't lost anyone, you know, outside the top 100 in the net that would, that would, qualify as a bad loss so Saturday would certainly be that and on top of that it eliminates any room for error that you have with regards because think about it 10 gets you in no questions asked a win against Georgia on Saturday's nine a loss you're eight and six needing to go two and two in the last four games two of those games are home games against Kentucky and Tennessee and then two of them are road games at Missouri and at Arkansas so like the outlook of how the outlook of their path to the NCAA tournament changes drastically based on Saturday. Yep. But it's a game they should win. And their magic number is 10, you think? Get to 10 wins in the SEC, in all likelihood you are making the NCAA tournament. I mean, yeah, with the way the bubble is, you might could get it. I mean, you could get in with nine, but you'd be sweating in a Nashville and definitely need to not. I mean, definitely need to win a game in Nashville. Like, I, I, you would not feel very good. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, leading into selection. Sunday at nine and nine and one and done in Nashville, but it's possible with the way the bubble is. But ten wins, you go to Nashville with a tournament bid in your pocket. You get a question here on the C Spire text line six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five about KJ Buffin. Uh, what do you know anything about his status? And I mean, did he come back in the game? I don't remember. I didn't save it in my notes. I don't remember seeing him come back. How was that ankle? I don't think he came back. Um, I don't have anything right now. We'll we will meet with um, Kermit Davis tomorrow for the week's only media availability. And we'll probably know more then. You probably should be able to beat Georgia without him. You would hope so. Um. Yeah. No. De- de- definitely. But um, he very well could play Saturday. I guess we'll just kind of see what. What the answer we get tomorrow? Make sure I'll make sure to write that down though to ask. We'll turn the page in the four o'clock hour. The AAF, the Alliance of American Football's viewership is good. The product on the field is a good product, but they have financial issues, or do they? Conflicting reports came out this week, and we'll dissect those coming up at the top of the next hour at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. 
Four o'clock hour on this Wednesday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. And Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. Reminder, it will be a bit of an abbreviated show today. We've got Mississippi State basketball and Ole Miss baseball taking over all of our stations at 5 o'clock. So if you're listening on one of those stations right now, you'll be able to catch the game, uh, but you will not be able to catch us. So just a little bit of an abbreviated show this afternoon, but we're certainly glad you are with us and hanging on tight. So over the break, over the commercial break, I got another one of those calls. And uh, for some reason, if you're like me, you've gotten a bunch of them lately. I guess, Rippy, that I have been added on some kind of scammer database where at least once a day, I get a call from somebody trying to get my information. And, and the, the ways that they ask me for it and the ways that they do it aren't very creative to the point where you would think that they would like try to get better or people are just so stupid and they fall for it. Like today, for example, I got a call from where I'm from, Greenville, South Carolina, they use a, a software to mask the phone call. Like if you're from here, I have a buddy that gets calls from Jackson, Mississippi all the time, and it's clearly somebody that's not from here or in the state. Got a call from Greenville, South Carolina, my hometown, and it was a foreign gentleman in a very loud room. You can hear it's like a scammer farm or something like that. And he told me, that the federal government has pulled my health insurance from me. And if I don't quickly give him my social security number, I will be uninsured and not tax compliant, and the IRS is going to come for me. So I played along a little bit with him until he realized what I was doing. I told him my last name was a spelling of a phrase that I can't say on air, and he hung up on me. But what terrifies me is that the reason they do this is because it works, right? Like, there's somebody out there that hears that and thinks, oh, no, oh, no, yeah, I'll give you my social right now because the government's going to take my health care away. Yeah, I guess it's preying on desperate people, and I don't necessarily mean that as like a slight towards those people, but it is scary that it happens. But, yeah, I get the same thing. And the numbers oftentimes not only a, a, an area code from where you're from. Mine, in some cases, the first three digits are the same as my phone number, and, like, the last couple are changed. So I think it's like someone's number I don't have. Say, so obviously, it doesn't fool me anymore. But, yeah, I'll get them about stuff I don't even own. Like, I got one the other day about refinancing my boat, and I was like, geez, man, can I have the keys to this boat first? Like, I... I and I mean, it's annoying, and I don't really. I heard those call. I don't heard those call. Those no call list things don't even really work. Well, because these then, people are calling from foreign countries using software to mask the phone numbers and make it seem like it's coming from here. Yeah, and every now and then, it's almost. Like, I always use it like a stress ball. Like if I've had a bad day or something, I'm walking out of like a class. I'll just kind of give the guy a piece of my mind about something completely unrelated. Like I might tell him I failed the test and then hang up. So. <laughs> Caleb in Olive Branch says a buddy of his got a scam call from someone who used his number. A funny story about that is the first couple of times I got him, it was around the same time I was actually changing my auto insurance. And so I was expecting a call from somebody, a, a random number that I didn't have, to confirm that I changed insurances. And I missed the call, so I called the number back, and it was this sweet old lady uh, that... 
had no idea what I was talking about or who I was or anything. And it was a scam caller that actually used a real phone number. And I called her back and let her know that her number was being used by a foreign scammer. But yeah, that's happened to me in a way. Yeah, it's it's certainly annoying. Between that and like having your phone number prank put on Craigslist, those are probably two of the more annoying phone-related things on earth. <laughs> we got a buddy of mine in college. I, I guess he didn't know that that was a thing because he had no idea where it was coming from. Like, you know, at this point when somebody's calling you about the free puppies that somebody's messing with you, well, we said there was, there was sheep that we had to get rid of. We're, he was getting divorced, air quotes, and he had to sell the farm and all the sheep on the farm, and so he was giving away free sheep. So he's getting phone call after phone call from people all around the state wanting to pick up the free sheep. And it took him two weeks to figure out that it was us. Yeah, the ran- most random stuff blows up on Craigslist because my, my girlfriend did that to me one time about a herd of goats. And, like, I couldn't believe how many people, like, sought that much value in some... Like, what do you do with goats? Uh, I guess they cut your grass for you? Yeah, milk it? I don't know. I mean, people eat goat milk, don't they? No clue. I think think that's a thing. Well, I didn't have any to offer. (laughs) Josh and Clinton says he quit answering those calls. If the number isn't saved, it's not important. To tell you the truth, uh, maybe that's why I'm on the database, because I answer the calls and I I mess with them, because just in case it's good enough or they'll entertain it enough, we'll put them on air. Richard's done that a couple of times, and so I'm just hoping to get the right one that will not know that we're messing with them right away and bring it to the show. So I I answer the calls every time, and I get a smidgen of joy out of messing with these people. Well, hopefully it'll die down for you, because I haven't gotten as many lately. I hit a streak about six months back where it was a couple times a day. David in Oxford says he gets them from Meridian about his issues with chronic pain. (laughs) Jeremy in Jackson says, I've had goat, and it's not bad. Nice. Dad joke Wednesday. Is that even (laughs) the day we said it for? I don't remember. I don't remember. Larry says he got a a call from a lady that threatened to call the law enforcement on him for harassing her about insurance. And they were using his phone number. Yeah, these scammers, man. Maybe sometime in the summer, if this persists, we'll get one of these experts on to tell us exactly how they do that. Because they, they almost, I guess it's not overtaking, but they have some kind of software that uses real phone numbers to talk to these people. Yeah, I'll, it would honestly be interesting to like. No, like, I guess there would be no way to do it because this, like, no scammer would ever do it without the condition of, like, being anonymous. But it'd be interesting to know like the inner workings of how this actually, like, how they do it. Yeah, Chris and McComb says some of the most expensive cheese is made with goat milk. So there you go. The more you know. William and Brandon uh, sends us a link to an app that will protect your calls from those people. Preston in New Albany also has had somebody take a uh, a scammer take a friend's phone call. Lisa and Clara has had six of these today. Good Lord. It's getting bad, man. I've gotten four today. That was the fourth one I just got at that commercial break. And most of it, it 
I guess we need to, to call these people in this foreign country and let them know that the IRS will not call you ever. So if you're calling me saying you're the IRS, I already know that it's a scam. Like, get better at this. Yeah, that's a tough sell. I guess not everyone knows that, though. Uh, a lot of your texts just came in. I guess a lot of you guys are, are getting these calls. Tom, uh, Tom in Caledonia says the same thing. He enjoys talking to them in the same accent that they're talking to him. <laughs> I had one guy on the line for a while, and I said he was the federal government that was giving me a, a grant for $10,000. If I just gave them my Social Security number, they would wire me the money. And I said, where are you located? And he said, in the United States. I said, no, where? If you're with the federal government, where? And he, he just threw out the only thing about the United States he knew. He said, New York City. And I said, okay, I live in Mississippi. If you can name one state that borders Mississippi, I'll give you my social security number right now. He said California and hung up the phone. Close. <laughs> uh, turning the page back to sports. Thanks for texting the show. A lot of you have done that. Uh, George and West Point as well. Apparently the vehicle warranty and expiring is another way to um i get those in cruise ships and we have an offer to bring their goat to the studio and milk it for us okay if you want to drive your goat up here and give us goat milk so we can make apparently expensive cheese we won't say no yeah i'm all in <laughs> and, and finally, before we move on to sports, Darren and Jackson says he hands his phone to his three-year-old and lets his kid have fun with the scam. That's funny. <laughs> uh, so a story came out from the Alliance of American Football today, and it's Steve Spurrier's Orlando Apollos are having to practice in Georgia because the AAF did not get the team insured. I'm not kidding. That comes a day after they received, reportedly, a $250 million investment so they could make bankroll. But is it that simple? Do they actually have financial issues? Because the television ratings and the reviews of the games are actually pretty darn good. So what do these stories mean? Is the AAF failing? We will discuss that next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Boy, a lot of you get these scam calls. I, I knew I wasn't alone. I didn't realize I was this common with all of you. I guess basically the point is tell your loved ones who you think may be gullible, who hear that the federal government is canceling your individual insurance plan for some reason and you have to give your social to a foreign guy as soon as possible or else you will be arrested. Just tell them to hang up the phone and not listen to them. Because apparently this works if they keep trying it or they keep doing it. Um, so just let your family or friends know, the, the more gullible ones of the group, that uh, these people are not being serious, I guess, because a lot of you have texted in with similar stories. So just avoid it at all costs, unless you're me. Or uh, who was it that gives the phone to their three-year-old? That just seems hilarious to me. Um and like to have fun with these people, but protect your your more gullible loved ones from uh, scam callers because they are in abundance. Even though we have a, a do not call app, it's not working well enough, I guess. I just got a text from a buddy that 
It's a text. It's a screenshot of a text message that says, "Congrats, your cell number. You won three hundred thousand dollars in workman's comp board lottery promo." <laughs> They're everywhere, man. Just ruthless. Couldn't dial that fast enough. Rebel yeah. Rider on the Sports Talk Twitter feed says, I'd have to say I did not expect goat cheese as a topic for today. <laughs> Sometimes we get to these rabbit holes and we have a hard time digging ourselves out. But we'll do that right now. We'll talk a little sports. Specifically the AAF. It's something that I've talked about a lot on this show. I'm very interested in it because... I think the product is good. The football is at least enjoyable. It's not the NFL. The atmospheres aren't there like they are in college, but it's quality football in February. The innovations, albeit small, are still enjoyable. The hearing the replay officials, seeing them in the booth making a decision, having all the coaches and players mic'd up, the short commercial breaks, all that's really good. And then the story comes out. I guess this was Monday when when this came to fruition. You had an athletic report saying that the league was afraid they were going to miss week one payroll. And then you get this investment. Tom Dundon, he is the majority owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, which is a hockey team. You've probably never watched them play, but just trust us on this. A hockey team works well in North Carolina. So he's doing something right. He's got a good sports mind. The team functions and functions well. He's a good owner of a good professional sports franchise in the United States. Invested $250 million into the AAF. And the reaction has been completely polarized. You've had, on one hand, like the athletic report, saying that this investment only happened, this change in ownership only happened because the league was not making any money and they were going to miss payroll. And then the other side is if this guy, Tom Dundon, the majority owner of a franchise that probably shouldn't work, hockey in North Carolina probably should not work, but it does, just invested $250 million into the into this startup league, there must be something there. I mean, yeah, the bottom line is, like we said earlier, the guy's not throwing nine figures into a, into a dead end. Like he's, he's not throwing it onto a sinking ship. So you would think I mean, you would think so, right? So, so these people that the sky is falling, the AAF is already failing. It's almost like they're gloating about it for some reason. Maybe they said it would, and they just want to be right. But if I'm, if you're a businessman, a lot of businessmen and women listen to this show. If you own a business and somebody wants to invest in your business, does that mean it's failing? Sometimes I guess people come in and buy businesses and turn them around, but you only do that because you think you have something there. You're not buying something unless you think you're getting a return on that purchase in one way or another. I'm not the most business-savvy person in the world. I work in media, but investment bankers don't invest in things that are going to fail. They invest in things that have promise in in not definite chance, but good chance of return on that investment. Same thing with a multi-millionaire sports franchise owner. He's not investing in the AAF because they're desperate for money. He's investing in the AAF because he thinks that they can make money. And with his input and his influence, they will. Why is that something that is polarizing to people? I mean, isn't it part of it just the social media age and people love to tearing things down and see things fail? 
Why is that? Especially in sports. Because, like, we, I mean, there are half of the sports fan population hates LeBron James, can't stand him, wants him to miss every, wants him to miss the playoffs this year. I don't particularly like the Lakers, the way his agent has handled the Anthony Davis stuff, but that's from a, a emotional fan standpoint. Wanting the greatest to not be great or wanting something that is good to fail, is that a new thing in sports? Why would we want a football league to fail? What is wrong with more football, especially a product that's pretty good? People don't like new things or change. I don't know why that is. But I'm with you. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I don't like, like, it's never, I don't think the AF is ever going to be appointment viewing for me. But like on last Sunday when there was nothing on, I flipped it on for part of that afternoon game and definitely the night game because there was literally nothing on TV except the NBA All Star game, which not watching that. Yeah. And that had uh, record low ratings for whatever that's worth to you. Uh, there were still over a million people that watched that game on Sunday night. Over a million people are watching football in February in this spinoff league. It's a good. It's a. It's a good product. I wonder if they'll. It's a good enough. Like you said, good enough product. Good enough offensive line play. Quarterback spin it well enough. Like people are making plays. Like it's not a. It's not bad football. But I always wonder if they'll. I'm surprised they haven't from the start. Like taken a deeper dive into maybe like, I don't know the proper term for this. Like exiled players or basket cases like a like i have no idea what chad kelly's situation is right now if he'll ever get another chance in the nfl but make a call to a guy like him i know they tried kaepernick and tebow when kaepernick asked for like 20 million dollars to play in the yeah, aaf so colin kaepernick said no to the aaf bill polian said um well he wouldn't discuss dollar figures but he said we reached out we tried he said no what about like a Jamarcus Russell or somebody that was just a total like Johnny people want to watch train wrecks exactly yes Manziel that would that would get some eyeballs maybe it'll take time to where they can maybe they they generate enough revenue to actually pay those guys more money to make it a little more enticing to because from what I've read everyone pretty much has the same contract right like it's a three year two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Something like that. So maybe when they get to the point where they can offer like marquee guys substantial more substantially more money than other guys, they'll get to that point. But I think that'll what make it compelling. Like, can you imagine Chad Kelly and Johnny Manziel playing each other in an AAF game? I would watch that. That would become appointment television for sure. And that's the next layer to this. So I, I will just pose this question to you, and uh, we'll take it back up uh, at the end of this upcoming break. Is the AAF, in your opinion, in its current form, you've got this new investment, sustainable? Or do they have to change something about the way they operate to make sure they function long-term? What quarterbacks would you want to see in the AAF? Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) That, That was a different route than I was thinking, but yes. What about like Vince Young? See, it's one of – if they want to make it long-term, see, I don't think they'll make it long-term because the viewership 
while good, is going to continue to decline a little bit. And I don't think there's enough other than just it's pretty good football for it to make it. You've got to add something. And I think one of two things. You either have to directly partner with the NFL and become the NFL's minor league, or what you're saying, take on projects, take on Johnny Manziel, take on Vince Young, Chad Kelly, and be like their second chance, or you become the avenue, the alternative to college football. Because just being a pretty good football product, I don't think will make it in March every they've year. Been, they've been somewhat public about the ultimate goal being the farm league, correct? I'm pretty sure Polian's been quoted something with regards to that. That it's, It seems to be their ultimate goal. And if, that, if they achieve that goal, it will make it. But in its current form, I just don't think there's enough there. There's only eight teams. There's only ten games. There's not enough name power to keep you watching, especially when March Madness begins. But one of those two things I think will make it work. We'll continue on that. We'll dig deeper on that next. Is the AAF sustainable? Text us. 601-879-4395. What do you think? In its current form, will they make it? And if not, what would you like to see them do differently? Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. In the window. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Bulky, Brian Scott Rippey with you this afternoon. Richard is off today, and Brian Haydad is covering Mississippi State UAB baseball, and he'll have to turn around and find a TV quickly and cover Mississippi State Georgia basketball. Double duty for him today. I'll remind you one more time, a bit of an abbreviated show today. We've got Mississippi State basketball and Ole Miss baseball taking over our stations this afternoon. So uh, enjoy those. We're finally getting some baseball in. The weather looks good. As I look out through the four layers of windows behind me, the sun is out right now here in central Mississippi. So uh, good weather, good baseball weather. Mississippi State's already playing right now. Scoreless game against UAB. And then Ole Miss, again, starts here in about 20 minutes from right now glad we're getting baseball in thought this week was going to be apocalypse level flooding Uh, so far it's held off at least to that level hopefully uh, nature is kind to us for the rest of the week but glad you're a part of the show this afternoon continuing on that AAF conversation Larry on the text line says he watched most of the Memphis game this weekend and enjoyed it the Memphis Express have quarterback issues they're 0-2 but yeah quality football Cody and Tupelo thinks the XFL will be more entertaining for fans and put the AAF out of business. I do think a partnership is coming. Both don't survive on their own, I don't think. Yeah, they will saturate a market that doesn't call for two separate leagues. And I think to survive, they'll have to combine And you'll have it like the AFC and the NFC. You'll have the AAF has their schedule and their season and their playoffs, and the XFL does the same thing. A little crossover, but you get my point. And they'll play together in the uh, average bowl, whatever you want to call it. They need to come up with a cool name. Greg Nettleton says the Outcast Bowl. 
What's the one from Semi-Pro? Was it like Flint and Mega... No. Have you seen that movie? Mega Bowl. Mega Bowl. Something along those lines. Yeah, the Flint, Michigan Mega Bowl. It's a great movie. I dressed up as Jackie Moon for Halloween once in college. So I had one of those costumes, too. Short shorts were questionable, though. Tyson from Jumpertown says he's been wanting to watch the AAF games, but they aren't televised on channels he has. If they would make it easier to view, I would love it. Um, there are a few ways you can. You can stream them online, uh, the games that are on CBS. They're not going to get a much better to be a, a side football league television deal than the CBS Sports Network, which is not your regular CBS. It's a, a separate network. The NFL Network and online streaming. It was actually, it's a pretty good setup, all things considered, because you're not going to get a big-time TV deal with ESPN in the middle of basketball season. It's just not going to happen. So even though it is, at times, Tyson, hard to find, it's probably the best they could do considering the circumstances. And if it's successful, it might get a better one. But to your point, definitely definitely not getting one at, for a startup league. So what do you think about that? I, you and I both agree that they're probably heading towards some kind of partnership with the NFL. I mean, they already air their games on the NFL Network. It seems like that would make a whole lot of sense. Teams, I imagine, would be perfectly fine with practice squad players or guys that are low on their roster or, or that are invited to their camp, if they could place them on an AAF team to, one, get them snaps and keep their rights. I mean, the Saints cut, I think it was 24 guys that made the 53-man roster on other teams in the NFL this year. They had, they had to cut over 20 guys that were good enough to be on a roster for other teams you know that Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis in New Orleans would love to have hung on to a few of those guys. Like JT Barrett's been an on and off the practice squad for them. If they could put them in some kind of farm league and groom those kind of players that they evaluated, that they signed, either as undrafted free agents or, or some other way, and had to cut them even though they're good enough to make a roster, that makes sense. But one that I would like to see personally just – just for me, is if they were to become the avenue, the alternative to college football. If they can make an offer, one, to allow, I'm just using his name as an example, Trevor Lawrence, because he just won the national championship, and with that hair, he's extremely marketable, allow him to get endorsement deals and then give him a competitive salary that is worth not playing in college, but they have to maintain a high level of of play a bunch of guys that are good enough to play in the NFL, and coaches. So you have to make yourself attractive in order to make it work, but I'm telling you I would much rather watch Trevor Lawrence play for the Memphis Express for three years before he goes to the NFL instead of Christian Hackenberg play for the Memphis Express and continue being terrible just like he was in college. You think Hackenberg got punked on at Penn State Rec Center games? <laughs> But no, your point, your point still stands. Yeah, I mean, it would help. That would probably, if you got, particularly if you got some of the elite level college talent, that would help, particularly at the skill position, some of the problems they're facing, like having Christian Hackenberg as a starting quarterback in your league. 
we get a text here that says they have a farm system for the NFL. It's called the University of Alabama. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, and it's not like they're getting uh, they're not getting compensated either. But I'm talking about within the rules of the organization. I would like to see that. And I, I'm not going. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I know a lot of you guys hate it. The, the pay the players argument, but if you are somebody like Trevor Lawrence, you can't market yourself right now. He's not allowed to do it. Whether or not you agree with his ability to do it or not doesn't matter. I'm not getting into that, but he's not allowed to do it. Think about how valuable he would be if he could, though. To Pantene for men. Is that a shampoo? I guess. Pantene for men. Old Spice. You don't think that Trevor Lawrence would be on a Pantene hair commercial for a million bucks a year today after just one year of college football if he was allowed to be? That would help supplement some of the league's salary issues, too, with the high-end players. Yeah, that's a great point. And he would draw viewership. He's must-watch football. What he did in the national championship was not an anomaly. He's that good. He's must-watch football. So if you're the AAF, Christian Hackenberg isn't must-watch football. Luis Rodriguez is a heck of a quarterback. Watch him for the Birmingham Iron. Watch him. He can play. He's not must-watch football, though. Trevor no. Lawrence is. Tua Tonga Hackenberg, is. <laughs> Hackenberg may be must-watch football in a completely different way. <laughs> if you, if, you know, if you like kind of watching, watching, watching things crash. But yeah, I mean, you, it, yeah, I mean that that would get more eyeballs because, like you said, people would watch because it's it's. Is it even a step up in competition, though? Than high, I think it is than high level college football. At worst, it's indiscernible. Yeah, I, I agree. So, because they you know, play Furman and they play no disrespect, they play Duke and Wake Forest, and AAF teams would go to Duke and beat that team by fifty points. So, probably better week in and week out. So you get to see them against a higher level of competition. You get to see them as, I mean, professional athletes, which, which makes it different. So, yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting. I agree. I would like that, at least. I, I would definitely like to see that. Um, Rippy, Ole Miss baseball. Uh, we saw Mississippi State start a true freshman first-round draft pick on the mound Saturday. Outside of one mistake pitch, he was really good in his first collegiate start. Same thing happening in Oxford today. He's usually going to be a weekend starter, but the rainout has caused them to go ahead and start him today to get him some work. What should people know about Gunnar Hoagland? And, I mean, first-round pick starting on the mound for Ole Miss is a pretty big deal, I imagine. Yeah, he went most – I can't remember if it was most or all of his senior season in high school baseball without issuing a walk. Um, which is honestly pretty tough to do. Like, and as you would imagine, he commands not only the fastball well, but, but all of his secondary stuff. Really polished kid. It'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. And I wonder, I do wonder because I, I wonder if this is taking the place of his weekly bullpen and they give him two innings, something like that, and then kind of have a bullpen day after that. And he still start on Sunday. Regardless, you're going to see him in some capacity. And it's a highly anticipated debut. I'm excited to kind of see see him in person for the first time, aside from scrimmages and stuff. 
That happens in about 10 minutes from right now. Rippy's going to go ahead and, and step out and make his way to the stadium. Uh, Rippy, thanks uh, for, for putting up with me this afternoon, my friend, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. We'll do it again tomorrow, Borky. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.